Our scripture this morning um, comes from Psalm 92. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, and the fool cannot understand this. That though the wicked sprout like grass, and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They have ever full of sap and green. So declare to the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. And God, we do continue just to celebrate you for who you are. Uh, thank you that this is the word of the Lord. That your word is true and your word calls us into harmony, into fellowship with you, the living God, the almighty God. Holy, holy, holy. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. God, we, we celebrate you as God the Father who loves us with an unceasing love. We celebrate you as God the Son who sacrificed your life so that we might know you and walk with you and be free from the penalty of our sin. We celebrate God the Holy Spirit, the one who teaches us and corrects us and draws us into your presence. So now, God, we continue just to lift up your name in praise. We continue to worship you through your word. And I pray that our lives will be changed today as we draw near to you, as we worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I invite you to open your Bible to Psalm 92. I received a phone call this past week from my wife's first cousin. He had this tremble in his voice as he said to me, he said, Ronnie, I have an update on Brenda, and it's not good. As I listened to his understanding of his wife's battle with cancer, I, I felt the discouragement in his heart. We all face struggles. We all have an enemy who wants to destroy us. So when the doctor tells us that we have a very limited time to live, what do we do? When someone we dearly love receives that kind of news... What do we do? I'm sure you'll agree with me that some answers are cheap answers. I don't like to give answers to questions like that. So I never, I never try to make up answers. Um, all I know to do when I travel through a road like this is to turn to the one who knows everything. He offers something better than answers. He offers us himself. And that's where the psalmist turns our thoughts and our attentions to in Psalm 92. There's nothing more encouraging in life than knowing God and giving thanks to him in every circumstance of life. Next weekend, Lord Will and Gail and I are going to travel to Nashville to share a wedding celebration with some of our best friends. Their son is getting married and 
These friends go way back, and we look forward to having this time of celebration with them. Weddings can be adventures that take us to the heights of joy in life. They give us opportunities to celebrate family and friends and partnership and blessing and community. There's nothing more encouraging in life than knowing God and giving thanks to Him in all situations, in all things. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, the Bible says, Give thanks in all circumstances, all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we navigate all circumstances in life best when our response to everything that happens draws us into worship of the Lord Almighty, the worship of God. Psalm 92 helps us understand that we worship this God. It helps us understand who we worship and how we worship and when we worship and why we worship and where we worship in all circumstances. Worship picks us up when we're down. Worship fuels us when we're celebrating victories in life. Worship sustains us through the balance of everyday life. And worship draws us into the arms of the Lord Most High. And so my prayer today is that we will be excited as we recognize the fact that we are here being drawn into the presence and surrounded by the love of Lord Most High. If you've been tracking with me on our early morning devotionals, my early morning reading and prayer time devotionals have taken us to Daniel in the middle part of this week and early part of this week. Daniel, as you may know, was captured by a foreign nation and brought from Israel to live his older teenage years and the rest of his adult life in captivity in Babylon. His reactions to the emotional and physical challenges of walking with God through this life journey were just incredible. I mean, incredible. He had learned as a teenager to depend on his personal relationship with God through prayer. He would not compromise his convictions, even though life was threatening to him. Because he would not stop praying to God, what happened? Well, he was thrown into a den of hungry lions. Most of the time, life is challenging. I would say that's pretty challenging. <laughs> His faith was challenged. And yet he stood rock solid on his convictions. His choice that he made to keep praying to God even though his life was threatened brought great glory to God when these hungry lions did not even put a scratch on him. Once again, there's nothing more encouraging in life than knowing God and giving thanks to Him in all situations and circumstances. So this morning we're going to look briefly at Psalm 92, and there are three reasons why it is good to worship and give thanks to God in all circumstances. So you have your Bible open, follow along with me as we look for three reasons why it's good to worship and give thanks to God. First of all, it's good to worship and give thanks to God because worship makes us rejoice. In verse, actually the superscript of Psalm 92 says, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. What is the, the Sabbath? Well, Sabbath literally means rest. Uh, to us, rest might mean inactivity. It might mean laying back and doing nothing. But that's not the intent of this word. The intent of Sabbath is actually a day of worship. It's a day of celebrating God. It's a day of moving toward a different kind of work. And that work is to recognize God and acknowledge Him and celebrate Him and be fully devoted to Him and be fully focused on Him. Because he's worth it. He's worthy. 
Worship restores and invigorates us. So the psalmist says in verse 1, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work, at the works of your hands, I sing for joy. Wow. We could stop right there and just start praising God. Why should that be true? Because worship makes us rejoice. It makes us rejoice because of who God is, who the focus of our relationship with God is. Worship is not about us. If you heard somebody say, well, I didn't get anything out of worship today. That's not what worship's for. Worship is so you can celebrate God and lift up His name for who He is. It is right to worship God. Because the psalmist says He is above everything and everyone. Oh, Most High is the superlative of superlatives. Let's think about it this way today. What is the most important thing in your life? Or who is the most important person in your life? Might be a friend, might be your spouse, might be your family, might be your work, might be your food, <laughs> might be recreation, might be your church or your ministry. I don't know what you would put in that blank. But here's what I believe. Anything you would put in that blank should look like hatred compared to how much you love God. How much God is worth to your life and in your life. The superlative of superlatives, oh, most high, means that there is nothing that's any higher in your life that gives any more focused attention, that gives any more time of, of, of celebration and rejoicing than your relationship, your personal relationship with God. Does that define your relationship with God? When you came in here today, were you expecting to turn your eyes toward God and to worship Him because He deserves it? To lift His name up as the Most High. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What? The picture that Jesus was painting is this exactly, exact same painting. This exact same picture. Any relationship you have, anything you have in life, should look like hatred compared to how much you love God. And the psalmist says, if you love Him that much, it's going to show What's inside your heart is going to come out. It's going to be demonstrated in your praise to God. Because when you truly know God, you understand how much He deserves that position of Most High. And when you understand how much He deserves the position of Most High, it's impossible to love Him too much. And so we come week after week after week to a time of corporate worship on the Lord's Day, to celebrate Most High. Worship makes us rejoice because God's love is unconditional. This word steadfast that the psalmist uses to describe the love of God, His love is steadfast to you. That means it's unconditional. God doesn't love you because you're good. I hope you understand that. God loves you because He is most high. He has chosen to love you. There's nothing you could do to keep God from loving you. And your response and my response to that kind of love should be to pour out our praise, to pour out our worship to Him. I hope you know that you'll never understand how much God loves you. He loves you infinitely along with the psalmist 
Daniel understood that morning, noon, and night, he was going to pray to God because God's steadfast love fueled his life. God's steadfast love drew him into the loving arms of Creator God. And he celebrated that by a persistent prayer life, morning, noon, and night, even when life was hard and enemies tried to hurt him. God's steadfast love sustained him. And that can be true for you and me as well. Do you understand how much God loves you? No, you can't fully understand that. But you can try. And the more you try, the more you're going to be drawn into a worship attitude toward Him. Lord Most High demonstrated His unconditional love when He became flesh. And not only became flesh, He became a slave to life and to flesh and to life on this earth so that He could serve you and me. And the best way He knew to serve you and me was to become a sacrifice. He gave His lifeblood to pay the price for the penalty of your sin. That's how much He loves you. Do you understand that? Would you try to join me in understanding that? Because when you realize how much He sacrificed to give that gift of love to you, sacrificing His life for your sin, you can't help but be drawn into worship. You can't help but give praise and glory and honor to Him. That's why it's good to worship and give thanks to Him. The psalmist tells us how to, to worship and give thanks. Look at in verse, 11, in, in, in verse 2. He says, he says this, he says, Sing praises to His name. Use all the talents and gifts that God gives you to worship Him. Your voice. Now some of you might say, what? My voice? What he's talking about here is your heart. He's talking about the heart that God has given you to be drawn to Him. And it doesn't matter what people around you think when you sing to God. God deserves your praise and worship. And so he says, sing praise to His name. Use your gifts and talents to worship Him. If you can play in musical instruments like the, the wonderful people on our worship team does. The lute, the lyre, the harp, all these instruments. He's saying give your best talent to give praise and glory to God. I love the sounds this morning of praise and worship to the Lord in this place. I love the response that our church gives to, to preaching and praying and praising God. These bring out joyful emotions in this church body. And I, I love to celebrate together to express the love that we have for God by rejoicing. So when our lives are focused on expressing love to God, the response to the work of God's hands brings joy into our life. Do you feel that joy today? Do you feel the celebration in your heart and rejoicing for who God is and what He has done to express Himself for us. Worship makes us rejoice. And then the psalmist doesn't leave us there. He says in verses 5 through 9, it's good to worship and give thanks because worship makes us think. Worship makes us think. Verse 5 says, How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. So God's deeds are ultimately great. Never forget the works of God. His deeds are so profound, it's impossible to fully comprehend them. But isn't it exciting to try to comprehend the vastness of God? I mean, I could give you thousands of examples. The fact that you're here today and breathing is a gift from God. 
The fact that you have eyes that are so complex to be able to see, you know, different directions and that kind of thing. The fact that the ocean tides come and go, come in and out. Have you ever just sat there and contemplated what a great and awesome God we have when you're quietly just watching nature take place at the ocean or in the mountains or wherever you might be? How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. Then in verse 6, God said this, I didn't. So, listen up. The stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this. That though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. Here's the point. It is foolish to deny the hand of God in creation. It's foolish and stupid to deny the hand of God in human history. God's story is all over our story. The psalmist understood that. And so that's why he said in verse 6, the stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this. I sat across the dinner table a number of years ago and listened as two very smart men were discussing our solar system. They were talking about the celestial stars. They could name the universe. They could name the stars and the bodies in the celestial universe. And compared to me, they were the smartest men on earth because... I know where the Big Dipper is and the Little Dipper on a dark night, but um, that's about it as far as me naming the stars and naming the constellations. But, you know, some people are smart enough to know all this. And it's good to be able to have knowledge. It's good to be able to be smart, but not at the expense of thinking that you're smarter than God. Not at the expense of thinking that you know more about life than God knows about life. Can you imagine going through life with the God of the universe who created you and created everything else, wanting to demonstrate his love for you, and you rejecting that? You rejecting that relationship with him, that experience with him? That's not smart. That's not smart. And the psalmist understood that the wicked are the ones who reject God. He says, the, the wicked reject the Most High God. They sprout up like grass and appear to flourish, flourish, but end up in doom and destruction. That breaks my heart. To think that there's some people here today who would walk out of here Understanding that God loves you infinitely. And think that you can do life without Him. Because that is the path to doom and destruction. The psalmist is just reminding us not to fall to the lure and be misled by prosperity in life. Things sprout up and things grow and it looks like the, those who prosper are those who are far from God. But he reminds us that there is an end to prosperity. In fact, this is consistent throughout the Bible. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away. Everything on this earth, everything that's prosperous to the appearance of the world, it's going to pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but... The Word of God will last forever. So if you've never trusted the love of God, don't leave today without putting your life in His hands and trusting Him. Because it's mindless to think evil and those who deny Creator God will not end in destruction. It's going to happen. 
we have a clear warning. Verse 8, he turns the table. He says, but you, O Lord, are on high forever. God's not going to pass away. God always has been, God is, and God always will be. And He's calling you, He's calling me to put our trust in Him. And in putting our trust in Him, it takes us thinking about what it costs not to put our trust in Him. Thinking about what a great treasure it is to be loved by Him. Neither the smartest person on earth or the most powerful person on earth will outsmart or outlast God. Think about it. He is the eternal one. He is the sovereign one. He is the just one. He is the merciful one. So put your trust in Him today. The psalmist acknowledged that God will not be dethroned. He's going to win the victory. Verse 9, he says, For behold your enemies, O Lord, for behold your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. Think about it. Think about how victorious and wonderful God is and He's calling you to do life with Him. God's enemies will be defeated. So who are the enemies of God? Who are the enemies the psalmist is talking about? Who are the enemies of God today that the psalmist is calling out? In James chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible describes this. The Bible says, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world, makes himself an enemy with God. So you have a choice to make. You can go the world's way or you can go God's way. I would encourage you to jump on board with the psalmist because you are either a friend of God or you're a friend of the world. A friend of God or a friend of the world. Enemies of God. Enemies of God are those who are friends of the world. The logic of the world. The pathway of the world. The lures to prosperity. The lures that temptation offers to the world. Enemies of God will never understand the logic of God. So worship makes you think uh, the creator of this world does not want you to be his enemy. He wants you, he's drawing you to be his friend. And worship makes us think about what God has done to be our friend. So I would encourage you today to join me in making time to draw close to him. Make time to revere Him, to lift Him up above everything on this earth. Engage your mind and listen to Him tell you what's on His heart. That's what worship is all about. As you think through worship, you want to obey what's on God's heart. You want to change from the way of the world to the way of God. And worship draws us to think about what it means to walk with God. To treasure Him above everything. To worship Him. The psalmist encourages us to rejoice at the counsel of, the God and, of God and trust His correction as we process through worship. Think about how awesome it is to celebrate life with Him in everything. Think as you speak to Him honestly in your worship. Sometimes our heart is just heavy and hurting. And burdens are lifted in the worship of God. True worship is showing love to God in all circumstances, in all situations. So I would encourage you to love Him as He loves you. Well, how does He love you? John chapter 15, verses 13 and 14, the Bible says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you, Jesus said. So worship is not passive. 
It's not mindless daydreaming. In fact, I believe worshiping God is the most reasonable and engaging thing that you can do in life. So please, don't check your mind at the door as you enter worship. Because worship makes you think. It makes you think about who God is. It makes you think about who you are. It makes you think about how you can get from where you are to where God is. And what it takes to repent and turn to Him. So it's a good thing to give thanks because worship makes us rejoice and worship makes us think. And then finally this morning, it's good to worship and give thanks to God because worship makes us strong. Makes us strong. We see this in verses 10 through 15. Verse 10 says, But you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. So we have two examples here. One I think we can relate to, and the other I think we can relate to others who can relate to it. Because there are not not many animals that are on the planet that are stronger than a wild ox. I don't know if you've, I've never seen one, but I, I don't know if you have or not. But I hope you were in an armored tank if you did, because a wild ox is a strong beast. The horn is a symbol of strength. The wild ox is a, is a symbol of strength. Do you understand that the Bible clearly teaches that worship makes us strong to be able to stand the battles of life and the, the struggles of life? Fresh oil that he talks about here. You have poured over me fresh oil. It's a double symbol here. For the believer, oil is a, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And the fresh oil that God pours over us constantly is the power of His Spirit. It gives you strength for the struggles of the day. God has empowered us for life with His Holy Spirit. His Spirit encourages us in our greatest times of need. Also, it's refreshing to worship God. Fresh oil is a symbol of refreshment that the believer receives through worship. After turning 40 years old, I did something that some people thought was crazy. And I probably agree. After 40, I ran 15 marathons. You know what the beauty of running a marathon is? The beauty of running a marathon is in the training. Come home from a hard day's work and you change clothes and hit the road running. You don't want to go. You feel tired. You feel worn out. But here's what happens. It's amazing. After you get a block down the road... There's just this fresh wave of energy that comes over. And you go through that training, and at the, as you work through that training, you come to the, the, the end of the training, and you, know, you would think you would feel exhausted, but you don't. You feel re-energized, reinvigorating, reinvigorated. And then you hit the shower, and wow, you're talking about feeling like fresh oil being poured over you. You come out of there, and you just feel like a new person. The picture here is just exactly that. Having fresh oil poured over you after life has beaten you down. You feel like you can't take another step. Worship re-energizes us. It refreshes us. It's like being poured over with fresh oil. It makes us strong for life's race. We're all in a race called life. And we need the fresh oil of renewal every moment of every day as we move through this life. Physical, mental, spiritual fatigue. It's a funny thing that the best time to push through that segment of life when you feel worn out, when you feel fatigued, when you feel so weak, it's the best time to turn to God in worship and let Him renew your strength. Isaiah 40, 31 says, They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 
So don't wait till you feel like worshiping to worship. Worship is reinvigorating. It renews our source of life. And then in verse 11 of Psalm 92, he says, My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. Are you aware that the enemies that are coming after you to destroy you every moment of every day? How do you stand against the wiles of the devil? Well, the Bible says you stand in God's strength because God's enemies will be defeated. Now listen to this. Worship worship doesn't make life easier. Worship makes life victorious. When you don't feel like worshiping is the best time to worship. When you're beaten down by life and bedraggled because the enemy has just continually bombarded you and come after you, that's the time to turn to God in the battles of life and worship Him. The victory doesn't come during this time, during the Lord's Day worship. Worship on the Lord's Day, corporate worship is the fuel that gets you through the Monday through Saturday battles of life. So verse 12, he says, The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. So what is the palm tree? Well, the palm tree is a, is a symbol of productivity and it's a symbol of, of strength. When your body is depleted and you Take in fresh fruit into your body. There's a renewal of your body there. There's a renewal of your, of your strength. And worship is a source of strength. What is the palm tree? Well, Morgan talked about this last week with the palmetto tree. They're very similar. The, the palm tree produces fruit that invigorates you. But it's also a very fibrous. Have you ever tried to cut one down? It's a very fibrous kind of tree. And... Bullets and those kinds of things just bounce off of the, the palm tree because it's so strong, so porous in the fibers of the palm tree. The cedars of Lebanon as well were symbols of strength. Worship makes us strong. It gives us the energy and the strength to face the brutal battles that we're going to face during the week. Now here's a reality. Every time you turn your computer on, every time you hit an app on your device, every time you turn the television on, every time you walk out the door in public today, you're going to be bombarded with temptations. You're going to be bombarded with the enemy's attacks to try to destroy your spiritual life. That's just reality of life in our day. Temptation to old addictions. Relational challenges. Threatening issues to physical and emotional security. All these kinds of things just bombard our minds and bombard our lives. And the battles of life are real. And they're persistent. They're, they're not going to go away. So how do we overcome? Well, we need the strength that is greater than our human strength. And that's what we draw from worship, from praising God. Honest, heartfelt worship prepares us for those inevitable battles that are coming our way. Be strong in the Lord because worship gives us that strength. Now here's my favorite part of the psalm. <clears throat> Verse 14. They still bear fruit in old age and are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in Him. One of my early life mentors was 
a great pastor, teacher, Dr. Jimmy Draper. And when he was passing through his public life and moving into retirement, he wrote a book. And the title of the book, I have it on my desk right now, is Don't Quit Before You Finish. And I love his attitude about continuing to be strong throughout life. But the psalmist said, listen to this, don't quit before God is finished. (laughs) It doesn't matter what your age is, God is at work in this world and He wants to be at work in your life. And so maintaining fellowship with God keeps believers of every age and every condition in life strong. Not because we're strong. The psalmist is smart here. He says, He is my rock. My rock represents stability, he says. So my stability is not in my own strength. My stability is in His strength because He is the anchor for my life. And worship draws me into that Secure place, that anchor where God is to take me through any battle, through any part of the journey that I'm experiencing in life. So worship, what does it produce? Well, it produces vitality and stability and fruitfulness and strength for the young and for the old and for everybody in between. So God is available for you today and for me today to be renewed in our strength as we worship Him. Even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, worship produces indescribable strength. And some members of our church have experienced that kind of valley this week. God is our rock because He's always upright. He is never unstable, the psalmist says. And only when God is my rock am I holy in His strength. And that's where I want to live. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to live. Because worship makes me strong. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible says, Do not lose heart. Has the world knocked you down this week? Has anything happened in your life where you feel like Maybe you're defeated. Well, praise God. Give praise and worship to Him. Because He says, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. In other words, God's strength is available to pick you up when you get knocked down. That's the encouraging strength of true worship. And that's true for all ages, for all generations, for all circumstances in your life and in my life. So for believers and followers of Jesus, Sunday is the Lord's day. Prior to the cross and resurrection of Jesus, the Sabbath was sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. Since the resurrection of Jesus Christ, believers have worshipped on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. We worship in celebration of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And in a few minutes, we're going we're gonna to enter into a time of, of celebrating communion because of this fact, because of the, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus that draws us into this special day that we call Sunday to worship Him. Sunday is a special day because it's set aside for worship. And worship can be a continual lifestyle, daily experience of magnifying and giving glory to God because of the fuel that we receive in the corporate gathering like this to celebrate and worship the Lord every day. Believers are called to magnify the Lord, not just on Sunday, every day. We magnify Him through our actions, through our thoughts, through our words, through our love for Him. So what we're doing here today in corporate worship should fuel our walk and joy in the Lord the coming days of this week. 
if we've truly engaged in worship. So as I kind of wrap it up today, let me ask you, is there anything, anything that's keeping you from the joy of the Lord today? Because by way of application, I want you to be encouraged by making worship a way of life. Yes, corporate worship on Sunday. But loving God with all your heart and showing love to Him Monday to Saturday as well. It's an everyday opportunity. It's an everyday experience. Vibrant faith is produced through gathering on the Lord's day and focusing on praising God. That's important. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, Do not neglect to meet together as the habit of some is, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Uh, we, we looked at this in the closing chapters of the closing paragraphs of Second Peter. The day of the Lord is coming. Jesus is coming back again. And we need to be prepared for the day of the Lord, the day of rejoicing eternally with Him. And as we said at the beginning of this service today, we practice that by singing praise and worshiping God with our life every day. So until Jesus comes back, I want to challenge you to join me in making worship a way of life. Then when tragedies come, they can draw you to worship. When victories come, it can draw you to worship. When life hits you in the face Monday to Saturday, you can worship. Praise be to the Lord Most High. I want to invite you to take your communion cup pack and go ahead and take the, take the top and the bottom off and I want you to hold the bread in your hand and the cup open in your hand as well. Jesus said, you're my friends if you do what I command you. And one of the commandments of Jesus before he was crucified, resurrected, and went back to heaven. One of the commands was to celebrate communion, celebrate the Lord's Supper, so that we could remember him until he comes again. Jesus said, you're my friends if you keep my commandments. So I want you to bow your head just for a few minutes and I want you to look at the bread and I want you to look at the cup. As you look at the bread, I want you to make sure that you have come to the point where you believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. This bread represents the fact that God left heaven and entered earth and took on flesh. His name was Jesus. If you've never believed that, I want to encourage you to accept Him right now. As He knocks at your heart door, just look at that sacrifice that He made just by coming to earth and living a perfect life, a sinless life. And then I want you to look at the cup and make sure that you understand that this cup represents the blood that Jesus sacrificed to pay the price for the penalty of your sin. Just looking at the bread and the cup draws us into communion with Him, draws us into worship with Him, especially when you've believed He is who He said He is and you've trusted the sacrifice that He made to pay the price for the penalty of your sin. If you've never accepted that gift, I pray that you'll accept it right now. And then take a moment and reflect with me. Is, is worshiping this Jesus who loved you this much 
a priority in your life? Is it the priority in your life? Ask yourself, am am I walking with God on a daily, moment-by-moment basis? That's what this sacrifice paid the price for for you, for you to know God and walk with Him. And then ask yourself, am I making all of life about Jesus? God, I thank you today that you paid the price by coming to earth and living as a man, by living in the flesh, overcoming every temptation that the world threw at you. And even though you lived a perfect life, you were hated and rejected by most men. But as many as received you, to them you gave the right to become sons of God. And so, Father, thank you for your life, your testimony. Thank you for the sacrifice you made by shedding your blood to pay the price for the penalty of our sin. And right now, God, we we just want to be obedient to your command. And as often as we eat this bread, and today as we eat this bread, and drink this cup, that we will remember you until you come again. In Jesus' name now we worship. Amen. Father, once again, I want to thank you for your love, your never-ending, indescribable, perfect love for us. And God, I pray that we will make worship the priority in our life, that coming together on Sunday would be the highest priority in our life. That taking the energy and the fuel and the love that we show for you on Sunday and allow that to make a difference in the way we think and the way we feel and the way we act as we face the circumstances of life around us. God, thank you for this psalm that reminds us of how much you love us and how much we have the opportunity to love you. And God, once again, I just pray that Not one person will leave here without acknowledging you as the Lord of their life, as the King of their life. And I pray that every day of the rest of our lives would be a day that would be filled with worship and praise and love for you. And we continue to echo that now as we share our worship with you in Jesus' name. Amen.